Chapter Five: Abraham, Part Nine of Legends of the Jews, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume One, by Rabbi Louis Ginsberg. The Destruction of the Sinful Cities. The angels left Abraham at noontime, and they reached Sodom at the approach of evening. As a rule, angels proclaim their errand with the swiftness of lightning, but these were angels of mercy, and they hesitated to execute their work of destruction, ever hoping that the evil would be turned aside from Sodom. With nightfall, the fate of Sodom was sealed irrevocably, and the angels arrived there. Bred in the house of Abraham, Lot had learned from him the beautiful custom of extending hospitality, and when he saw the angels before him in human form, thinking they were wayfarers, he bade them turn aside and tarry all night in his house. But as the entertainment of strangers was forbidden in Sodom on penalty of death, he dared invite them only under cover of darkness of the night, and even then he had to use every manner of precaution, bidding the angels to follow him by devious ways. The angels, who had accepted Abraham's hospitality without delay, first refused to comply with Lot's request for it is a rule of good breeding to show reluctance when an ordinary man invites one, but to accept the invitation of a great man at once. Lot, however, was insistent, and carried them into his house by main force. At home he had to overcome the opposition of his wife, for she said, If the inhabitants of Sodom hear of this, they will slay thee. Lot divided his dwelling in two parts, one for himself and his guests, the other for his wife, so that if aught happened his wife would be spared. Nevertheless it was she who betrayed him. She went to a neighbor and borrowed some salt, and to the question whether she could not have supplied herself with salt during daylight hours, she replied, We had enough salt, until some guests came to us, for them we need more. In this way the presence of strangers was brooded abroad in the city. In the beginning the angels were inclined to hearken to the petition of Lot in behalf of the sinners, but when all the people of the city, big and little, crowded around the house of Lot with the purpose of committing a monstrous crime, the angels warded off his prayers, saying, Hitherto thou couldst intercede for them, but now no longer. It was not the first time that the inhabitants of Sodom wanted to perpetrate a crime of this sort. They had made a law some time before that all strangers were to be treated in this horrible way. Lot, who was appointed chief judge on the very day of the angels' coming, tried to induce the people to desist from their purpose, saying to them, My brethren, the generation of the deluge was extirpated in consequence of such sins as you desire to commit, and you would revert to them? But they replied, Back, and though Abraham himself came hither, we should have no consideration for him. Is it possible that thou wouldst set aside a law which thy predecessors administered? Even Lot's moral sense was no better than it should have been. It is the duty of a man to venture his life for the honor of his wife and daughters, but Lot was ready to sacrifice the honor of his daughters, wherefore he was punished severely later on. The angels told Lot who they were, and what the mission that had brought them to Sodom, and they charged him to flee from the city with his wife and his four daughters, two of them married and two betrothed. Lot communicated their bidding to his sons-in-law, and they mocked him, and said, O oh, thou fool! Violins, cymbals, and flutes resound in the city, and thou sayest Sodom will be destroyed. Such scoffing but hastened the execution of the doom of Sodom. 
The angel Michael laid hold upon the hand of Lot, and his wife and his daughters, while his little finger, the angel Gabriel, touched the rock whereon the sinful cities were built, and overturned them. At the same time, the rain that was streaming down upon the two cities was changed into brimstone. When the angels had brought forth Lot and his family, and set them without the city, he bade them run for their lives, and not look behind, lest they should behold the Shekinah, which had descended to work the destruction of the cities. The wife of Lot could not control herself. Her mother-love made her look behind to see if her married daughters were following. She beheld the Shekinah, and she became a pillar of salt. This pillar exists unto this day. The cattle lick it all day long, and in the evening it seems to have disappeared, but when the morning comes it stands there as large as before. The Savior angel had urged Lot to take refuge with Abraham. But he refused, and said, As long as I dwelt apart from Abraham, God compared my deeds with the deeds of my fellow citizens, and among them I appeared as a righteous man. If I should return to Abraham, God will see that his good deeds outweigh mine by far. The angel then granted his plea that Zoar be left undestroyed. This city had been founded a year later than the other four. It was only fifty-one years old, and therefore the measure of its sins was not so full as the measure of the sins of the neighboring cities. The destruction of the cities of the plain took place at dawn on the sixteenth day of Nisan, for the reason that there were moon and sun-worshippers among the inhabitants. God said, If I destroy them by day, the moon-worshippers will say, Were the moon here, she would prove herself our Savior, and if I destroy them by night, the sun-worshippers will say, Were the sun here, he would prove himself our Savior. I will therefore let their chastisement overtake them on the sixteenth day of Nisan at an hour at which the moon and the sun are both in the skies. The sinful inhabitants of the cities of the plain not only lost their life in this world, but also their share in the future world. As for the cities themselves, however, they will be restored in the messianic time. The destruction of Sodom happened at the time at which Abraham was performing his morning devotions and for his sake it was established as the proper hour for the morning prayer unto all times. When he turned his eyes toward Sodom, and beheld the rising smoke, he prayed for the deliverance of Lot, and God granted his petition, the fourth time that Lot became deeply indebted to Abraham. Abraham had taken him with him to Palestine, he had made him rich in flocks, herds, and tents, he had rescued him from captivity, and by his prayer he saved him from the destruction of Sodom. The descendants of Lot, the Ammonites and the Moabites, instead of showing gratitude to the Israelites, the posterity of Abraham, committed four acts of hostility against them. They sought to compass the destruction of Israel by means of Balaam's curses. They waged open war against him at the time of Jephthah, and also at the time of Jehoshaphat, and finally they manifested their hatred against Israel at the destruction of the temple. Hence it is that God appointed four prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Jephaniah, to proclaim punishment unto the descendants of Lot, and four times their sin is recorded in holy writ. Though Lot owed his deliverance to the petition of Abraham, yet it was at the same time his reward for not having betrayed Abraham in Egypt, when he pretended to be the brother of Sarah. But a greater reward still awaits him. The Messiah will be a descendant of his, for the Moabitess Ruth is the great-grandmother of David, and the Ammonitess Nehem is the mother of Rehoboam, and the Messiah is of the line of these two kings.
The Legends of the Jews, Volume One, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg, Among the Philistines. The destruction of Sodom induced Abraham to journey to Gerar. Accustomed to extend hospitality to travelers and wayfarers, he no longer felt comfortable in a district in which all traffic had ceased by reason of the ruined cities. There was another reason for Abraham's leaving his place. The people spoke too much about the ugly incident with Lot's daughters. Arrived in the land of the Philistines, he again, as aforetime in Egypt, came to an understanding with Sarah that she was to call herself his sister. When the report of her beauty reached the king, he ordered her to be brought before him, and he asked her who her companion was, and she told him that Abraham was her brother. Entranced by her beauty, Abimelech the king took Sarah to wife, and heaped marks of honor upon Abraham in accordance with the just claims of a brother of the queen. Toward evening, before retiring, while he was still seated upon his throne, Abimelech fell into a sleep, and he slept until the morning, and in the dream he dreamed he saw an angel of the Lord raising his sword to deal him a death-blow. Sore frightened, he asked the cause, and the angel replied, and said, Thou wilt die on account of the woman thou didst take into thy house this day, for she is the wife of Abraham, the man whom thou didst sight before thee. Return his wife unto him, but if thou restore her not, thou shalt surely die, thou and all that are thine. In that night the voice of a great crying was heard in the whole land of the Philistines, for they saw the figure of a man walking about, with sword in hand, slaying all that came in his way. At the same time it happened that in men and beasts alike all the apertures of the body closed up, and the land was seized with indescribable excitement. In the morning, when the king awoke, in agony and terror, he called all his servants and told his dream in their ears. One of their number said, O Lord and King, restore this woman unto the man, for he is her husband. It is but his way in a strange land to pretend that she is his sister. Thus he did with the king of Egypt, too, and God sent heavy afflictions upon Pharaoh when he took the woman unto himself. Consider, O Lord and King, what hath befallen this night in the land. Great pain, wailing, and confusion there was, and we know that it came upon us only because of this woman. There were some among his servants who spake, Be not afraid of dreams. What dreams make known to man is but falsehood. Then God appeared unto Abimelech again, and commanded him to let Sarah go free, otherwise he would be a dead man. Abimelech replied, Is this thy way? Then, I ween, the generation of the flood and the generation of the confusion of tongues were innocent too. The man himself did say unto me, She is my sister, and she even herself said, He is my brother, and all the people of their household said the same words. And God said unto him, Yea, I know that thou hast not yet committed a trespass, for I withheld thee from sinning. Thou didst not know that Sarah was a man's wife. But is it becoming to question a stranger? No sooner does he set foot upon thy territory, about the woman accompanying him, whether she be his wife or his sister? Abraham, who was a prophet, knew beforehand the danger to himself if he revealed the whole truth. But being a prophet, he also knows that thou didst not touch his wife, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. The smoke was still rising from the ruins of Sodom, and Abimelech and his people, seeing it, feared that a like fate might overtake them. The king called Abraham, and reproached him for having caused such great misfortunes through his false statements concerning Sarah. 
Abraham excused his conduct by his apprehension that, the fear of God not being in the place, the inhabitants of the land slay him for his wife. Abraham went on and told the history of his whole life, and he said, When I dwelt in the house of my father, the nations of the world sought to do me harm, but God proved himself my Redeemer. When the nations of the world tried to lead me astray to idolatry, God revealed himself to me, and he said, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. And when the nations of the world were about to go astray, God sent two prophets, my kinsmen Shem and Eber, to admonish them. Abimelech gave rich gifts to Abraham, wherein he acted otherwise than Pharaoh in similar circumstances. The Egyptian king gave gifts to Sarah, but Abimelech was God-fearing, and desired that Abraham pray for him. To Sarah he gave a costly robe that covered her whole person, hiding her seductive charms from the view of beholders. At the same time it was a reproach to Abraham that he had not fitted Sarah out with the splendor due to his wife. Though Abimelech had done him great injury, Abraham not only granted him the forgiveness he craved, but also he prayed for him to God. Thus he is an exemplar unto all. Men should be pliant as a reed, not hard like the cedar. He should be easily appeased and slow to anger, and as soon as he who has sinned against him asks for pardon, he should forgive him with all his heart. Even if deep and serious injury has been done to him, he should not be vengeful, nor bear his brother a grudge in his heart. Abraham prayed thus for Abimelech, O Lord of the world, thou hast created man that he may increase and propagate his kind. Grant that Abimelech and his house may multiply and increase. God fulfilled Abraham's petition in behalf of Abimelech and his people, and it was the first time it happened in the history of mankind that God fulfilled the prayer of one human being for the benefit of another. Abimelech and his subjects were healed of all their diseases, and so efficacious was the prayer offered by Abraham that the wife of Abimelech, barren hitherto, bore a child. End of chapter 5, part 9